Hello and welcome to The Long View, a podcast that takes a closer look at the games people play. The Long View is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Go and check out all that the Dice Tower has to offer at Dicetower.com. There is a host of resources available for gamers, including news, reviews, commentary, a searchable database of games. So if you're not sure if a game is for you or not, go ahead and search for the game. It'll give you links to every single podcast episode, video review that is on the Dice Tower. And this may help you decide whether or not that game is for you or not. A very valuable service in this day and age when we have so many great games to choose from. That's Dicetower.com. The Longview is generously sponsored by Gamesurplus.com. Go and check out why Gamesurplus.com is my first choice whenever I'm looking to buy a brand new board game, especially if I'm looking for a difficult-to-find import. Uh, as I record this on, uh, um, let's see, January the 14th of 2017, um, Gamesurplus.com is one of the only places I know of anywhere that you can find copies of The Colonists, for example. They get these games in before anybody else, even the uh, big online stores like Cool Stuff and Fun Again, and they have them at a fantastic price with super fast shipping. So if you're looking for a difficult-to-find game or a hard-to-find import, look no further than Gamesurplus.com. Carmen and Elaine, the uh, new owners of Game Surplus, will be more than happy to help you and assist you just as if they were your own personal shoppers. So send an email to games at gamesurplus.com, and if you do decide to order from them, please be sure to tell them The Long View sent you. My name is Jeff Gamble. I'm the host of The Long View, and today I am very pleased to be joined by a new co-host. Uh, this is uh, T.C. Reed, who is joining us, and uh, T.C. is... Uh, a person who was nice enough to respond to my last post on The Long View where I was talking about maybe trying to bring a fresh voice on and TC threw his hat into the ring along with some other people who uh, were very generous in offering their time and their efforts and their talents. And uh, TC and I have worked uh, uh, together before. TC, uh, his wife Carissa and myself, we recorded an episode about uh, Churchill. And um, when I, you know, talked with TC a little bit about it, uh, we decided we would try and give this a go. So um, we're going to introduce TC tonight as a uh, new co-host for The Long View. So TC, welcome, and uh, thanks for agreeing to be on the show tonight and uh, in the future. Yeah, thanks, Jeff, for having me on. Me and Chris had such a tremendous amount of fun doing the Churchill review, interview, whatever you want to call it, that when you did post looking for a co-host, I just immediately threw my hat into the ring because... That was one of the highlights I had of, was that two years ago, a year ago? It was quite a while About ago. About a year ago, I think, yeah. Probably around a year ago. Yeah, and I got a lot of feedback on that. So, heck, what the heck? Let's see where this goes. Let's see what we can do make happen. <laughs> there we go. That's right. It is a work in process, but uh, we're going to have some fun with it and hope that uh, those of you out there listening are going to have some fun as well. So, um, you know, the, the advantage here is that uh, we're going to have uh, TC as another voice helping me when we do long view episodes and posing different uh, questions and uh, bringing a fresh kind of a perspective to things and getting me to maybe uh, be able to kind of back off a little bit and, uh, um, you know, kind of pull myself, uh, um, you know, just back a little so that uh, there's a little bit more interesting discussion between three people rather than just me and uh, my guest. And I think it's also going to uh, be a great change because from time to time we may have Carissa on as well um, as she talks about some games that she has been playing uh, recently and uh, is excited about. So I'm looking forward to this uh, kind of partnership. Um, TC, is uh, you're from the West Coast, yes? Yes, I'm over here in the Washington State next to... 
Portland, Oregon. So we're kind of East Coast versus West Coast, aren't we? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know that we're going to have any, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, battles thrown down anytime soon. But uh, we might battle over some board games from time to time, which could be fun as well. So, yeah, we got a little uh, East Coast West Coast vibe. It makes uh, scheduling a little bit more challenging. But uh, your schedule is fairly flexible, as is mine, and so I think uh, we, you know, we should be able to make this work. So, looking forward to uh, uh, walking down this road with you, TC. So. Um, when I talked with TC, uh, we were trying to think about some episodes to maybe begin a partnership. Um, and one of the things that jumped out to me was the episode that I usually do each year, which is the long view of two years ago. Um, you know, TC, as you know, everybody at this time of year posts their, you know, best of 2015 list and top 10. And, um, you know, Board Game Geek is just a wash in those kinds of lists. And they're a lot of fun. I read almost all of them. Uh, I watch almost all the videos. Um, but I kind of remember thinking a few years ago when I started, um, you know, it might be fun to kind of go back an additional year and kind of see how those games from two years ago are holding up. And uh, that might be a little bit more in line with the mission of the long view. So um, if if you don't mind, I thought it might be fun to kind of go down memory lane of the year 2015 in board games. How's that sound? It sounds great. 2015 was a very interesting year for me in board games because I am still playing games from 2015 as of this date. So there's been a lot of games that came out in 2015 and some games from 2015 I've just recently played. So I'm very excited to be able to talk about some of these. Yeah, me as well. I, I kind of didn't realize how strong of a year 2015 was. I you know, didn't really remember it until I started looking at compiling some games for this. And, you know, TC was uh, also <laughs> probably for the betterment of the show a little more organized than me. He's like, why don't we get a list of 10 together, five that we really like, five that we didn't like, and maybe five that we might want to play as like an additional set for a total of 15. And I'm like, dude, I'm already at 23. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if I can pare it down like that. So um, I'm thinking over time, you may be able to rein me in a little bit, which is probably a good thing, right? So um, yeah, you know, so what I thought we would do is, uh, you know, just kind of bounce back and forth a little bit talking about some games. And uh, I don't know how you composed your list, but my list I kind of composed not just necessarily because of the game or whether it was a game that I particularly enjoyed, but maybe a game that I felt was important. So um, first up on my list would be, of course, the big one, The Elephant in the Room, Pandemic Legacy Season 1. Um, you know, this is a game that uh, I own, I've played, I have not finished it yet, which is kind of surprising, uh, and maybe we can talk about that for a moment later. But um, this kind of took the, uh, the, the game of Pandemic and um, introduced the legacy kind of idea where the uh, consequences of the actions that you take during the game ripple forward into future games. And you will change the board, you will change cards, you will gain new abilities, new and surprising things will happen. And, you know, of course, this kind of started, as far as I know, with Risk Legacy, which was a huge kind of surprise hit when it first came out and kind of took the gaming world by storm. And then Pandemic kind of took it and sort of, I don't want to say like made a game of it, but, uh, you know, Risk is not my favorite game, uh, but Pandemic is, is a fantastic game. And so the coupling of the legacy idea with Pandemic was really, I think, a, a big moment in board gaming in 2015. Would you agree? 
Yes, uh, Pandemic Legacy was actually one of my top five games of 2015, and it is an incredible game. I know it is pretty decisive because it like jumped to number one on Board Game Geek extremely fast. People were kind of upset that you could only play it once, but mm-hmm. man, that game is just insane. I mean, by the time you play it, the stories that come out, the board that gets destroyed... The mem- this, this, uh, essentially, the stories that come out of that game are fantastic. I love that story arc. It just, I loved it. We still haven't finished it. I think we're like two or three months away from finishing it. And hopefully, we're going to get around to finishing it tonight. But wow, that was such a game. And it's funny you should mention Risk because Risk is going to be one of the game. A Risk game is going to be one of the games I talk about later. But I do want to go back and try Risk Legacy. Um, there's talk of. A Charterstone being a legacy game from yeah, yeah so yeah this this was a this was a game changer this was a system that really had a big impact and I'm excited about season two I mean more pandemic legacy it's it's great yeah I'm kind of curious of what they're gonna do with season two to be honest with you I'd, I'm a bit befuddled by that now maybe there's been stuff that's been written and I just haven't read it yet but you know to me pandemic is pandemic and the the core systems of Pandemic are in place. And there were so many new things added with the legacy system, like, you know, the uh, uh, the individual sort of uh, roles. And then they have, you know, what do they call them? Scars and, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, all sorts of relationships. I mean, this was fantastic mm-hmm. stuff. What I'm trying to figure out is, you know, what would season two be other than just more of the same, you know, in, in that... It's going to be, you know, the same board with different diseases, maybe some new surprises, some new roles. But I'm not entirely sure that I'm sold on the idea of just revising and and retweaking the existing pandemic legacy system just to get a season two out. In other words, like I would be looking for something radically different and, and maybe that's going to happen. I don't know. I'm very curious to see. Um, but you know, for those people out there who said, you know, ah, I can only play it for so long and it's this much money, uh, you know, bull, you know, most people don't play, uh, all of the games in their collection, especially if they're, um, you know, people who enjoy learning new games. If you can get, you know, uh, um, 20 or 15 or 17 plays out of a game, that's pretty darn good. I mean, that, when you analyze the cost of the game and the hours of enjoyment and the stories that you get, uh, you know, I don't think that should be a factor in people's decision at all. But I do wonder where they're going to go in the future. So I'm looking forward to, to kind of finding out. Uh, have you heard any rumblings about that? I've only seen the map for season two, and it does look different. So I am going, we are, it's, a, it's a no-brainer purchase. I will be playing it. So, and I'm very excited to go down this road, like I said. Um, yeah, um, I'm in. The map looks like I said, the map looks different. I don't know what they're going to do with it. Honestly, I probably don't want to know. I probably want to open that box and just experience <laughs> it, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That, that's fair enough. That's that's a fair point, TC. So uh, what's the first game on your list? Uh, Pandemic Legacy was mine. Yeah, well, so I'm not going to go through the games that you've already mentioned. <laughs> so I'm going to cross <laughs> Pandemic Legacy off. Um, okay, again, just right. to touch one more thing on that. People who sure. say that you only play it once and it's done is a problem. That game, if you fail every mission, is 24 plays because it's a, a, a month, a, was it 12 months in a year? Yeah, that's Absolutely. Two, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
uh, you know, I, <laughs> the way games come Math out. Math is hard. <laughs> yeah. The way games come out so fast and so hard that getting 24 plays of a game in is a lot. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. I mean, it, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think that uh, I'm definitely getting the value out of that game for me. But, you know, that that is kind of a theme that, that sort of began in 2015. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. So uh, what's a game on your list that you would like to talk about? And if it's one that uh, you saw on my list, you can certainly uh, intro it first yourself. It makes no difference to me. Okay, well, I did notice you put a game on there, and I'm, we'll probably get to that one. But that got me thinking about another game that came out from the same company that didn't get a lot of buzz. And that was Signore from What's Your Game's Game. And I really like this one. The designers on this one were, I don't remember. Uh, I know one of them was from the same guy who did Kingsburg, I believe. So that alone made me pick it up, and we tried it out. And I got it, like, at pretty cheap because the game kind of fell off and they were getting rid of it. This game was amazing simply because you were rewarded for being a bad father. <laughs> the faster you could sell <laughs> off your kids to yeah, get you prestige yeah. points was great. So if you actually <laughs> lost the game, you didn't feel bad. If you won right. the game, you kind of felt bad. Right, you my know, children like, as currency. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know, in most games of this ilk, you were putting out, like your, your workers went out to get resources and you used the resources to get victory points. That's kind of your standard worker placement Euro style game. This right. one, you were using your siblings as the, as the currency to get victory points. <laughs> yep, I need you to marry into this family. But Dad, yeah. he's a horrible person. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I just really need... Yeah, it doesn't need, matter. I, I need you to marry into this family. <laughs> yeah, it's like you said, a bad father. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that it, it is an interesting game. I own it, uh, and I've played it a couple of times, and I can't tell you the number of times. It was just a few days ago that I thought, hmm, maybe I'll pull out Signore. Um, it is a really interesting dice kind of uh i don't know if you want to dice call it placement. dice worker placement but yeah dice placement game um and it's it's very deep the decisions are really difficult and uh the dice kind of bite you in that game they're they're not friendly um <laughs> you know often the things that you want to do uh, it, it takes a lot of effort and work for you to try to pull it off. So uh, I really find that it's a, an incredibly challenging game. Um, and one of the reasons I think it hasn't come to the table more often is I kind of found it to be, um, I'm not going to say fiddly because that's a bad word for most people, but it was pretty complex. Would you agree? Yeah, and the biggest complaint I've had from people playing it, honestly, is the randomness of the gender of your siblings. Because there's a point where you just roll a dice to see if it's a male sibling or female. Yeah, yep. And my Carissa got hosed. She needed girls, and she just got boys out the yin-yang. And it really frustrated her that she couldn't mitigate that. But it's thematic, and I think and it works, and you have to work around that. But I still like it. I still like it a lot. And it's a shame it didn't get... As much, because you know, I've heard a lot like Nippon and Signore. They weren't, they were, you know, it wasn't, you know, great games for much. Games. I, I disagree. I haven't played Nippon yet, but Signore makes me want to play Nippon. <laughs> well, I can tell you uh, as a teaser, uh, you know, Nippon is obviously on my list, and uh, yeah, that that's a fantastic game. I really enjoy that. And so, Signore, I don't know why it didn't take off more than it did because I, I first saw Signore at ConCon, which is a, a local convention here on the East Coast. Relatively small, but a really nice convention. A lot of fun. If you live anywhere near the Stamford, Connecticut area, you definitely should check it out. Uh, it's in uh, March usually. It's a great time of year. Um, just starting to kind of come out of the winter and 
uh, boy, looking for a time to go and play games. It's just a great time of the year to have a friendly convention with a few hundred people. Um, and, that, you know, there's also role-playing stuff on a different floor. And uh, the Sheraton is a fantastic hotel and it's very reasonable, which is unusual for Connecticut. So uh, just a great con. And I was there, I guess it was last year or the year before, and, uh, man, people were playing this everywhere. And it was really hard to get into a game. And, you know, it seemed like it was really hot. Um, and then I was kind of surprised that I didn't hear more about it because usually if you see a lot of a game at a convention, it's going to, it's going to start climbing that hot, you know, the hotness list as it were, you know, when I went to the WBC last year, Scythe was everywhere. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, and I was one of the people that had it everywhere, you know, so, um, I kind of thought Signori was going to be a, a real big hit, but like you said, it, it kind of leveled off and then sort of faded a little bit. So I'd be curious what listeners uh, would have to say out there because I found it to be, uh, you know, a really, really good dice placement game. It kind of reminds me a little of like The Voyages of Marco Polo, and I know there's people out there who love that one. Um, and it has such a unique theme, as you said, you know, where you're basically having your offspring and then you're either sending them to go and, and sort of uh, uh, make their way up the ranks of the priesthood or the military if they're the boys or you're trying to marry them off into these influential families. It's a really unique theme. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't quite get why there's not more love there, but uh, I like the game and I, I'm planning on keeping it for a while. Yeah, I think it's a sleeper hit. You know, I think maybe it's one of those cult classic things. I don't know. I know I know someone who has it, and we play it as often as we can. And if people forget about it, that's fine. I will remind them. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. All right. So uh, what do you think, um, uh, you know, you, you bring up Signore, and, and, and that's a really interesting game because... It, it continues that sort of trend of these dice games, you know, dice uh, placement, dice worker games. It's been kind of one of the hot things over the past few years, and it's continuing, you know, even now. Um, but there were some other trends that I kind of thought were started, um, and, and I'm going to kind of circle back to Pandemic Legacy. One of the things on my list was Time Stories. Now, this is interesting because it's on my list, but I haven't played it. Okay. Um, have not played it, but Time Stories, again, it's... It's interesting to me, we kind of have this trend uh, in 2015 that sort of started with this um, experience games, you know, where you play through it once and then you're done and it's, you know, this amazing thing. And Time Stories works that way, from my understanding. You have like a, a case or a scenario, if you want to call it, and once you've kind of worked through that, you're kind of done with it. I mean, you could play it again, but it wouldn't be any fun because you kind of know how everything works and what's going to happen. Um, and so it is kind of a once and done. Um, and, you know, it kind of follows almost an LCG kind of format where new sort of uh, packs are coming out. So you invest in the base game, which I think only came with one sort of um, scenario in it. And then more scenarios have been added. And it seems like it's been pretty popular consistently. So I'm really intrigued to try it. I just haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. Do you have any experience with this one? Oh, yes. Um, time stories. We'll just start with this one. Okay. Let me just put it to you this way, Jeff. If you want to play it, I can give you my copy. And I'll tell you what happened <laughs> with Time Stories. Now, um, there's n <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Time Stories was an interesting beast because we got it, we played it, and we really enjoyed it. Um, the first story was Asylum, and then what was the next one? Marcy um, case, case, I think. And then yeah. the thir third one was uh, Prophecy of Dragons, and there's another one, which is the Feral one. 
uh, under the mask or something. Anyway, what happened with the strength of time stories is in the story, okay? And knowing you know Carissa, you've listened to her. She, mm-hmm. if the story isn't good, it's going to deep six the game. So we played Asylum. Now we played Asylum with my daughter Kate, who is probably. 11 at the time and we got to a point in that game where it scared her and she didn't want to play it anymore <laughs> we went to the, this town and these monsters were coming out and so she was out um we had some questions about the game that we couldn't answer because they weren't in the rule book they were specific to the scenario and this really hit with prophecy of the dragons and that's a problem when you have a rules question and you can't reference it without spoiling the game going on board game geek or whatever and then the story really dived when we played um, Prophecy of Dragons. And I'm not going to spoil a whole lot of it, but just heads up, there's no dragons. Okay, <laughs> that's a problem. And that, that scenario just dived so hard. We played it. Carissa said, I'm not playing this again. We're done. This is ridiculous. No, so she's, so it, if Khaleesi like hops on a horse instead of a dragon, it's just it's just not the same effect, is it? Yeah, it's weird. The, the, the <laughs> prophecy of dragons, the whole thing went left, and we're like, "What is going on with this thing?" And essentially, there was this deck that said you only opened it up. It was like a hidden deck. You didn't open it up to your told to. We opened it up, and we're all excited. And we're like, "Oh, oh my goodness, what's going on?" But. There's that Egypt one, and I think Chris is going to try it out. So we're going to give it another shot, but uh, I'm 50-50 on Time Stories. I recognize what it did. I know it did it well. I just wish the stories were better. And it's called Time Stories? Yes, <laughs> yes. some awesome stories. <laughs> it's in the in name, thing. right? It's in the name. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing your perspective about that because I haven't uh, had a chance to play it. I, I don't own it. Um, and I can totally get what you're saying, though, because since it is scenario-based, if it's a lousy scenario, um, you know, you're going to have difficulty with it. If it's a great scenario, you're going to have a blast. I mean, it yeah. kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Sherlock Holmes' Consulting Detective. You know, there are certain cases in the original version of Sherlock Holmes' Consulting Detective from, like, 81, which is, you know, a game that I still own. And uh, some of them were just almost broken. And One of them was broken. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, some of them were just absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. and so memorable and so wonderful. So, yeah, I get that. I get totally what you're saying there, which is it, it really does depend on the story and the scenario and how much people connect with it. So Exactly. Um, yeah, but I think it was an important game in that it took this idea of a disposable game, if you will, and kind of tested the waters to see whether or not people would do that. Like, would they be interested or would they be so um, uh, stuck in their paradigm of, well, I should theoretically have infinite replay value out of any game that I buy um, and really kind of push the bounds of, okay, well, is that what you buy the game for? Or do you buy the game for the experience? Because if you buy the game and you look at it from an experiential point of view, then it very well might be worth it to you in the same way that it might be worth it to go to a great play or a great movie. So uh, I thought that was an interesting thing that happened in 2015 was those two games kind of coming out uh, in the same year. So I wanted to mention that. So um, what's the next one on your list, DC? Okay, well, the next one on my list, this is going to be a little bit of a surprise, because I didn't realize it came in 2015, so I started looking it up, and that's Risk Star Wars. Ah, okay. Now, um, this, I've, it's, it's from Hasbro, and it is a real, from my understanding, it was a re-implementation of Star Wars The Queen's Gambit, which yep. is a game that I really want to play, but it's like a bazillion dollars, so I'm never going to see it unless I go to a convention and beg someone to break it out. 
And then they might be a little iffy because it might damage their copy, but whatever. Um, but Star Wars Risk was a fun, light, dice-chucking game that me and my daughter and every person who liked Star Wars in my gaming group played thoroughly enjoyed. It was a fun, trash-talking dice roll because you had three things going on. You had to, like, you know, get to the shield generator. The Death Star is just shooting ships, just blowing stuff up. <laughs> You're trying to fight Darth Vader, trying to manage these three things. And for all its seemingly complexity, it played in, like, less than an hour. And you could even get, like, some kind of super edition, which was a Star Wars black box edition, which right. came with minis and stuff. But... I had so much fun playing this thing, Jeff. It was just mind-numbingly fun. Having those little B-wings and X-wings and A-wings go against TIE Fighters and the Star Destroyer pooping out TIE Fighter ships and just give <laughs> Oh, is man. That the official, is that the yeah. official term for them? Pooping them out? Yeah, it is. Like, pooping out more TIE Fighters. Yeah, it was. So you're not launching them. You're just pooping them. I like that. pooping them out. The super, right. the super Star Destroyer and the Millennium Falcons flying around messing with you. Oh, have you had a chance to play this one? It's really a lot of fun. No, no. I've seen it at conventions, and uh, but I will now totally be looking for an incontinent Star Destroyer. I think that will yeah. be a lot of fun. If you see that Star Destroyer <laughs> throwing TIE Fighters out, just think of me. <laughs> I will. I will. It'll be impossible not to uh, think of that uh, that visual that you gave me that's so <laughs> lovely. Um, yeah, I've, I've seen it at conventions. Um, I, you know, I know a lot of people just had a lot of fun with it because, as you said, it's a straightforward dice-chucking a lot of fun and plays in a reasonable time period, which I think is really important for anything that is going to have that sort of risk moniker. You know, you don't want to be stuck in a four to six hour game. And so the fact that it plays uh, quickly, I think, is really a good thing because risk is always fun for the first like hour, maybe two. <laughs> and then it kind of turns into a slog. And then you're like, oh, my God, who can can somebody finally win this thing? So uh, I'm encouraged to hear that. uh you know, that this version of Risk seems to be, uh, you know, designed to play in a reasonable playtime and, and something that would, you know, interesting theme keep my attention. So I'll have to, I'll have to try and seek that out. So um, the next one I wanted to kind of talk about, uh, uh, TC, was uh, a game that I had in my collection for a little while. Um, I really enjoyed it. I ended up uh, moving it along because my family just didn't enjoy it. Um, and I, I also wanted to talk about it because I thought it was uh, another interesting moment in board games in 2015, and that was XCOM the board game. Um, XCOM the board game, I thought, was probably the first game that I saw that really integrated the technology with the board game well. Now, from everything I've heard, the, what is it, Mansions of Madness or whatever, second edition or, or whatever it is that, that, that uses an app and it can even, it's supposed to be absolutely amazing. But when I think about the games that have tried to integrate technology, I think XCOM really did it very well for the time that it came out. And it was the first one that I kind of felt worked um, in, in that it didn't make the board game feel like a video game, even though the board game is based on a video game. And it didn't make uh, the uh, app the center of attention. The board was still absolutely the center of the attention, which is where I think it should be in a board game. So um, I thought the game offered a lot of tension, um, surprising amount of uh, um, toughness to it. It was a difficult game for us to kind of uh, beat. Um, challenging, uh, neat little minis. 
and an, uh, you know a fun theme. So I really kind of liked this one. And, and if my family had liked it better, I think we would have kept it. So, um, but I think it was important because of that app integration. Uh, have you tried this one? Uh, do you, is something you can speak about? Oh, absolutely. Uh, XCOM, when that came out, we played it a lot. It was a fantastic co-op game. And of course, it's designed by Eric Ling. So anything this guy designs, I'm going to give it a shot. Except and- for Quarriers. Well, Warriors is terrible. <laughs> Horrible just, game. <laughs> One of the worst things ever made. Okay, anyway, go ahead. Well, the Dice Masters came out of that, but well, that's a different conversation. We can talk about that later in another episode. But <laughs> <laughs> XCOM, um, the thing I liked about X- XCOM was I, I found out very quickly with XCOM how much stress you could be giving people money on the table in mm-hmm. a very short time period. <laughs> I kill I destroyed the game because I was like, I can't oh, I'm done. Just take oh, oh yeah, it was it was in, an insane amount of fun. That app was just as the right amount of stress to put you under. Mm-hmm. Everything that game did I thought was fantastic. I'm looking forward to the expansion to that. The enemy within, I believe. Yeah. I want to yeah, give I, that I, a I, shot. I, um but yeah, it was one of our top games of that year and we need to go back and play it some more. I mean for Carissa said um she liked it, but she didn't play. She only played it once. She wants to play it more. So, hey, it's right. going to be hitting again. So I'm excited about that one. Yeah, I think that's one that, uh, you know, for a lot of people, the expansion will breathe uh, even some more new life into it. And uh, I, I think the evolution of technology integration into board games is moving along nicely. Um, it really is. And and from my understanding, is it Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition or is it Arkham Horror? Like, what, which is it? that now apparently has this fantastic app that kind of tells the story on the card. It almost takes over, I think, the role of the person who used to have to play, um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, the, 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 the bad guy or the keeper or, you know, whatever sort of uh, term you want to use. Have you heard anything about that? Yes. Mentions of Madness Second Edition is the game that requires the app to play it. I've played it quite a few times. I love Mentions of Madness First Edition. It's one of my games that it was one against many i really like to just throw all this evil stuff out i was really really disappointed at first when second edition was announced and it said you needed the app and the app ran it instead of someone else running it so my initial impressions of after playing it was really low but then i started playing it more and tried the different scenarios and it bumped up and it's a really fun game i can attest to that um i like the way it's it works i have some issues with it but overall, it's a really neat experience. Of course, it all depends upon the nature of the app you have, the um, you know, the where you play it, the, right, the right. immersion, and all that stuff. And it's got that Call of Cthulhu theme, which I think is getting run into the ground right now, especially this year. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I'm a little tired of it. Yeah, yeah. but it's like Time Stories. I would definitely recommend people experiencing it because it is really interesting what Fantasy Flight is doing with that app. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think it's it's definitely an intriguing direction in board game design. Um, so um, that was XCOM, uh, the board game. What's the next one on your list? I think you're up. Yes. My next one is the one Martin Wallace game that came out in 2015 that everyone poo-pooed on. And that was Ships mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from Tree Frog Games. Now, I know a lot of other podcasts, other people played it, and they were just really down on it. And it's like, whatever. And they just wrote it off. But it is a very intriguing game. It's very abstract in some points. But what it's trying to do and what it does with the map in the middle and upgrading your ships, if you don't upgrade your ships, you're going to lose victory points. And 
it's really neat. I think what really hurt this one was people were comparing it to automobile. People were like, well, I already got automobile. I don't need ships. Mm-hmm. But I really strongly suggest that people go back and give ships another shot because I just recently played that the beginning of this year because I kind of wrote it off too. And then one of my gamers had it, and he knew I was a big Martin Wallace fanatic, so we gave it a shot. And I was pleasantly surprised by what this game did and what it was trying to do. So Yeah, you know, I, I have it, and I own it, because I'm a Wallace fanboy for the most part. Uh, although I, I kind of feel he's missed uh, recently with some of his designs. Um, and Ships was one that I wasn't sure whether it was a hit or a miss. I mean, I, I'm still very undecided about it, to be quite honest with you. Um you know, I invested in the limited edition with the little wooden ships. And, um, you know, it's it's definitely interesting, but it is very abstract. And I cannot for the life of me decide whether it's me or whether it's the game. You know, that that's one of the things that uh, the guys uh, and, and uh, ladies over at Heavy Cardboard talk about, you know, with their rating system. You know, it's not you, it's me. Um, is one of their kind of uh, ways of describing their rankings. And I kind of feel that way about this game. I'm not sure whether it's the game or, or it's me. So, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll try it again. I do own it. I do think it's absolutely nothing like Automobile. I agree with you there. Um, but I, I just don't know how much it works for me. So that's, that's kind of, you know, where I'm sort of looking at it. Um, what, what about you? Um, do you kind of... Do you know what I'm talking about? Where you, you, did you have that feeling of does it work? Does it not work? What What do you think? Okay, well, and I knew you were talking about Wallace misfires. You know, how he's kind of mm-hmm, dropped mm-hmm. off, and that started for me with Mythotopia. Okay, because mm. there were, he did like Tree Frog did this pre order system for three games coming out, and it, and it yes. did Mythotopia, uh, Onward to Venus, and Ships. And yep. I bought, I got into the Mythotopia. I didn't do the pre-order thing. I just got these later as they came out. And I mm-hmm. get Mythotopia. Myth- Mythotopia was a huge miss for my group because that, that what that game needed was a theme. It was generic fantasy, and it just fell apart. So then I, that's when it's like, okay. And then we had a real bad experience with Doctor Who, the card game, which oh, yeah. was an epic interesting event when we played it I, mean, I took such a hit on that that oh my goodness <laughs> i was so excited people were like this is eh. so so that cool enough. but i will say this a wallace misfire is still a really interesting game to play <laughs> okay all right i'll grant you that except for uh, old men of the forest and the oh, doctor who card game yeah. oh 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 and the <laughs> hobbit do you remember that Hobbit? Oh, that God, horrible. The Hobbit. Yes, oh my God, was, that was one of the worst like, games I think I've ever played in my life. It was just horrible. It was. Um, um, it was like wow. Yeah, it yeah. was uh, like what hearts or something. I don't yeah, know, yeah, man. Yeah. I'm oh. trying to block it out of my mind. To be honest with you, it's it's just Thanks one of those games that, that was so disappointing. Um, yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying about Mythotopia. Definitely a generic theme, but I like the game. My son likes it a lot. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, it, it to me. Uh, part of the charm of a few acres of snow is the time and the place in which exactly. it's set. Mm-hmm. And so to me, um, you know, I still prefer a few acres of snow. So, uh, but Mythotopia, I still have in my collection because my son likes it. And there are things about it that I enjoy. Yeah. Um, but um, to me, out of all of those, the one that's been the biggest hit for me has been onward for uh, onward to Venus. Absolutely. Um, we have really enjoyed that one. That's just good 
kind of card play, dice chucking fun, and uh, almost like an Ameritrashy kind of a Wallace, kind of like Moonga Invaders, mm-hmm. um, which is another really fun Martin Wallace game. Um, you know, a lot of people, I think, were so disillusioned with the whole Kickstarter process and how that went and how that drama unfolded that, I mean, you you could get that game for a song from Cool Stuff. Um, I and did. And it's, it's, a, it's a fun game. I still have a lot of fun playing that game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's all kinds of interesting things with, with Wallace. I'm just not sure that Ships was one of them. So I might have to disagree with you a little bit on that one. But I do still have it. I haven't figured out whether uh, I'm going to keep it or not. But it's been around for a while. Um, okay, next for me, TC, is a bit of a cheat. It's not a game. It's a designer. So to me, 2015 was kind of the year that I was sort of uh, introduced to uh, Fister. Um, We have games Mombasa, Isle of Sky, Oh My Goods, just an absolutely fantastic little trio of games there. I mean, Isle of Sky is, to my mind, it's kind of like a a merger of Carcassonne and Ra. You know, uh, Mombasa is just a fascinating game, uh, almost like a stock game and uh, variable player powers and just a a classic heavy Euro with a ridiculously annoying setup time, but a fantastic game. And then Oh My Goods is just a fun card game that uh, packs a a lot of punch. It's random, but hey... Who cares? The game lasts about 25 minutes. If it's random, oh well. Uh, but a very clever little design with the chaining of cards and the combos that you can pull off. Um, so I really kind of felt that this was the year that Alexander Fister kind of splashed onto the scene, at least for me. So uh, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. Um, have you played any of these games? Are you aware of Fister? Because, of course, you know, this year, Great Western Trail, huge hit, right? Oh, yes. In fact, you missed a Fister game from 2015. Yeah. Uh-oh. And the one I want to talk about, if we're going to talk about him, is Broom Service. Oh, boo. I didn't like that game. You didn't like Broom Service? I took boo. Broom Service to my <laughs> daughter's board game after school, and it was uh-huh. a tremendous hit. I was surprised it was how annoying. well they took that. Really? Really? They mm-hmm. liked it? I found oh, that like game it. to be ridiculously annoying. It was just a... It was, ah, I didn't like it at all. So tell me why it's a good game, because I didn't like it. Okay, the reason I think it went over with... Because I, I played it, and I was like, that's a pretty neat, pretty clever game. And, you know, after playing, like, Isle of Sky, I wasn't as hot on it. But, man, watching a bunch of girls play this thing and saying, I'm trying to be braver than you, and just watching them crash and burn, and then <laughs> move their two witches around, and... I just, I just, what I really liked about it, if you have to play it with the right group of people, mm-hmm. but if you do, playing that, okay, I'm, I'm going to be brave, and you know, it's like, oh, is it going to go through? And someone goes, no, and just throws that card down, and you're, your turn's just done. But I, I like that. That was fun. Uh, but again, you have to play with the right group of people, I think. But oh my goods, I enjoyed it. Was if I want to play a Euro game in what, less than 20 minutes, it's great. I'm not right. entirely sure how possible it is to chain things because usually to play that game to win i just build as many buildings as quick as i can to trigger the end of the game and i usually win it however that being said i heard the expansion to that is phenomenal and i want to give that expansion a shot because it adds a campaign to it which i'm very curious about 
Yeah, I'm very curious about that, too. And uh, it's one of the things that uh, I've got Carmen on at uh, Game Surplus. I'm trying to get myself a copy of that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it, I just think it's a lot of fun. Um, is it difficult to pull off a chain? Absolutely. There's a little bit of luck there. Um, but if you can get a production chain to fire... You it's have the huge. right cards in your hands, and you got the buildings out. Oh, my God, is it huge. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's, – it's amazing. And it's a real feeling of kind of accomplishment that you pulled it off. Uh, I don't think I've ever gotten a production chain out that's fired more than, like, twice, <laughs> you know, yeah. as far as, like, the big ones go, um, you know, where I'm turning these ridiculously low-valued goods into these uh, goods that are worth five or six or something. Just, just an amazing kind of a uh, – uh, a game packed into a tiny little deck of cards, you know? So, um, yeah, I'm very curious to try the expansion, but, uh, that to me really kind of got my interest peaked in Alexander Fister. I was not a fan of broom service. Um, you know, uh, games where you're kind of, your turn is sort of negated, um, really do kind of bother me. It didn't bother me as much with Witch's Brew, which is what the game was based on. Mm-hmm. But with this one, it just, mm, it did not sit right with me. I, I really had no interest. The movement was tough. Um, you know, and, and everything seemed to hinge. I mean, there, there was definitely a lot of tension, but so many times you get hosed in that game. And, and, uh, it kind of reminds me a little bit of my complaints about Lost Cities, which I know most people think of as an incredible classic. To me, it was always an exercise in how am I going to shoot myself in the foot this time? <laughs> you know, do I want to shoot myself in the foot? Do I want to punch myself in the groin? Do I want to, you know, slap myself across the face? Because no matter what card I put down on this discard pile, it's going to be the perfect card for my opponent. And I don't really have a choice because I can't play it myself. You know, just that kind of thing. And Witch's Brew seemed to do that a lot to me where I kind of got that feeling of, all right, well, whatever. Um, anytime I find myself saying whatever in a game, <laughs> that's not a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a sure sign that I am not enjoying it at all. So, you know, that's kind of, uh, you know, how I would feel about it. So, um, you know, well, but there's no doubt that it's popular. I mean, yeah. didn't that win like Spiel des Jahres, Kennerspiel, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, won like Kinderspiel or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Alice Sky really surprised me because that game came out and like it was like eh, it's okay, and then later that thing just snowballed and people yeah. were playing it like crazy. That was a sleeper hit. That really surprised me how how that took off, and it's I think it deserved it. It was a great game, and it still is. Yeah, I mean, I really enjoy it. I enjoy the auction. I enjoy um, the the challenge of the the placements and trying to get everything coordinated for your scoring opportunities and the huge amount of variability and you know what's going to score in each game. Just a just a fantastic game, I would agree. So that kind of put him on the map for me, and then uh, you know I've sort of followed him ever since and have, and have been a fan of of just about everything that he's put out. So uh, that's why I wanted to bring him up in this episode about uh, 2015. So uh, what's next up on your list, TC? Okay, well, I can scratch off about three games now since you mentioned <laughs> Fister. Um, I'm really excited to try a great Western trail because I'm from Texas, and come on, i got to have a game about herding cattle. It is Texan, fantastic. Right? It is a really, really good game. Um, and i got to tell you, man, Stronghold had an incredibly strong catalog this year. Um, so many good games came out. Um, and Great Western Trail, uh, you know, with the partnership with Eggert Spiele, fantastic game. Um and I've really enjoyed it, so I think you will like it as well. It's uh, 
It's very, very challenging, but the rules overhead is surprisingly not bad. Uh, everything kind of makes sense, you know? It's, it's, uh, it's a pretty smooth playing game. There's a lot of agonizing decisions, but it plays smoothly, so I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I'm definitely giving it a shot. Um, the next game I want to talk about came out in 2015, and this is going to be, of course, this game has to be mentioned because it got so much, it was so popular that year, and that was Food Chain Magnet. Oh, yeah. Now, I am not the biggest Splatter fan. I'm going to admit, Broads and Boats drove me up the wall because there were some rules in there that made no sense to me whatsoever mechanic-wise, and it really bugged me. So when this game came out, I'm like, oh, God, another overpriced Splatter game with weird <laughs> mechanics I'm not going to like. But I rather enjoyed it. Now, I still have some issues with it. I still think there's some things I'm not quite sure about, namely the price. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But I, this is the one Splatter game I don't mind to play when people break it out. The one mechanic, the one, one, one thing, because there's always a Splatter rule that drives me up the wall. And the one that drives me up the wall on this one is when you pay for your employees, everyone costs $5, even the CEO of the company. Right, right. I'm just like, are you kidding me? The CEO gets paid the same as the guy who flips the burger? Well, that's hey, right. Guess, that's right. We're living what? in a it's a utopian world, my friend. Yeah. So guess what? I'm going to pay ten dollars and get your CEO to come to my. Oh, I can't do that. <laughs> uh, this makes no. Uh, now that's Indonesia. A piece of that's paper Indonesia, dude. You, you you have to play Indonesia, TC, if you want to yeah. take over other people's stuff. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. no, I I totally agree. This game took me by surprise, and I have to say, out of all the splatter games that I've played, yes, the price point was high. However, the components are actually pretty darn nice in this game. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the uh, tiles for making sort of the city grid are kind of blah. Um, I understand why they're sort of blah. You don't want to have too much distracting stuff on the board when you're you know, looking for where's this advertising, where's that route. Where... But uh, the, the, the cards, a beautiful card stock, uh, really fun kind of 1950s style art. Um, uh, yeah, a little bit of a issue with the the sort of gender roles portrayed, but it's accurate to the period. Um, nice wooden tokens. I mean, geez, you got like you know wooden uh, pizza, wooden hamburgers, uh, hamburgers, <laughs> beer. You know, uh, <laughs> j- just just fantastic stuff. So to me, this was a really nicely produced splatter. This one and Great Zimbabwe, which I also thought was quite nice. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I got the game, I played it, the deck building was just amazing to me, and there was, there's just a dizzying array of options, paths to follow, things to do, and you are intimately concerned about everything that everybody is doing, unlike so many other games that are out there nowadays, where, you know, you kind of get that multiplayer solitaire feel, Boy, this one is is a knife fight in a, in a foam booth. Oh, it, yeah. You know, the first time you produce a bunch of, you know, you make all this beautiful food and you have the drinks and then someone undercuts you and steals everything from you and then the bank runs out and you're like, son of a, you know, oh, <laughs> it's yeah. really, it's intense. I mean, it's, it's a really fantastic game. So I agree with you. Um, so we know what your least favorite part is. What's your favorite part of that game? Well, the thing, well, first of all, my favorite part of the game is just the artwork because... It's like a prequel to Fallout. I mean, the artwork <laughs> reminds me of Fallout so much that okay, I, can, all right. I just love that art style, that 50s thing. And the 
there was one thing that happened in that game that sold me on it, and that's when Carissa got an airplane and like mm-hmm. pizza bombed like four rows right across. <laughs> pizza bombed, I like that. Pizza bombed. I'm just like, oh my goodness. And I, that game, I saw how cutthroat that was. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Oh, I was just, you know, that's what sold it, and that makes me want to play it more. The other concern I have is that you there's one move you have to make early to be competitive. And I think it's called the waitress move. Is that yeah. right? Uh, if, the waitresses can be important. Yeah, I mean uh, waitresses and advertising. You know, uh, yeah. getting advertising out early um, can be huge. You know, a lot of times I start off as like a like a like a, a lemonade like powerhouse. <laughs> you know, I just make lemonade and sell it. You know, mm-hmm. um, and you know you can make a decent amount of money early in the game, which will bankroll you for the future and. Uh, you know, of course, money is basically victory in this game. So another really important thing. So, yeah, there's so many opening kind of moves and uh, different kind of strategies. I love this game. Um, it's one that uh, I don't think I'm ever going to get rid of. No, I'll be playing this one for a while. Even though it, yeah, it's fun. I really like it. But the people who are listening to this podcast, if they want to play it with people who know how to play it, you just better be ready to just have this game handed to you on a plate and yeah. be prepared for that. <laughs> And just learn from it and move on. Because yeah. if you can move on and start really digging into this game, oh, there's so much stuff in this thing. It's incredible. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, next up on my list, TC, is uh, a game that kind of towards the bottom of my list, but um, one that I was really, really fond of. And I still am. I still have it in my collection. And that's Space Cadets Away Missions. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a game um, that was uh, kind of... It's like my favorite kind of Ameritrashy, Euro-ish kind of game. Like, I, it's scenario-based, which I love. Anytime you can have a game like this that is scenario-based is huge, in my opinion, because the replay value goes through the roof. And the pressure that you have on you in that game with um, a lot of storytelling kind of uh, feel to it and the uh, overkill system that the designers came up with, which I thought was really brilliant. Um, this is a game that I still enjoy playing. I still pull it out from time to time. My son enjoys it. Um, it you know, there's a, there, I think there's an expansion that's coming soon. Um, and, and, you know, they, they designed a game system in that sort of Space Cadets world that was really, really just a lot of fun. I mean, any words that I could use to describe the game, fun is the word that comes up all the time. And that's the word I use to describe it in my review. Um, every mission feels different. Um, there's all sorts of cool sort of uh, retro sci-fi kind of feel and equipment and uh, all of the different aliens do different things. I mean, you got the brain in the jar, which is awesome. You got, you know, the huge, um, you know, kind of, uh, I forget exactly what he's called. I haven't played it in a couple of months. Uh, uh, th- th- there's like a big bad. I mean, he's a huge mini and, and he'll just wreck your day. Uh, and then you have these stupid little spider things that are so annoying. And it's just it's just so much fun. And the AI of the game works surprisingly well in a pretty easy kind of to run fashion it's not overly complicated so uh the way they handled initiative the way they handled the scenarios the way they handled the uh, overkill system big thumbs up for me um i really really thought that space cadets away missions was one of my favorite games of that year did you have a chance to play this one no i hadn't and there's one big reason for that and that is 
anytime we want to play Space Cadets, we have Space Cadets. And we never got around to playing Away Mission because anytime I said, hey, let's play Space Cadets, they go, oh, yeah. And they wanted to bring out the original game, which is we still play to death to this day. We love Space Cadets. We need to, I need to try Away Missions, but it's kind of hard to get my group to move on when I say Space Cadets. So they want to play Space Cadets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, you can't fault them for that because that's a great game, too. But Away Missions is a completely different animal. Uh, you know, it's not designed by um, any of the Angelsteins. And uh, I know Dan Raspler and, um, oh, geez, who's the, who's the other one? I actually know this guy. Why can't I not remember his name? Oh, he's going to kill me. He's going to kill me. Wait, I got to look it up now. Totally have to look it up. Oh, come on. Oh, Space Cadets. I can hear his laugh. He has a very distinctive laugh. He's married to Shelly. Come on, come on. Help me out here. Uh, I don't know how to play that. (laughs) Wait, wait. I'm going to tell you in a minute. Oh, it's Al. Al. Engineer Al. Um, Al. Come on. Come on, baby. Load for me, board game geek. Um, (laughs) Al Rose. Good Lord. How can I forget Al Rose? Anyway. He's not going to forget you now. (laughs) No, he's not. No, no. He probably won't forgive me either, but... uh, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, but really, really fun game, and uh, I would definitely tell you it is—it's a completely different animal. So you should definitely check it out, uh, at least in my opinion. So uh, that's uh, Space Cadets Away Missions. Um, what's next on your list? Well, let's stick with the Stronghold games theme, and uh, this is kind of a cheat because it actually came out in 2011 as a different game on print oh, and play. They just I know where you're it. going. I and know where you're going. And that is Dark Moon. Yes. Now, now, the reason I like Dark Moon so much is because this is the closest game to John Carpenter's The Thing that I have played. Absolutely. I love this game. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it all boils down to having your dice in front of you and rolling them. And anybody, everybody who rolls those dice behind their shield, just watching the expressions on their face, whether they're <laughs> infected or not, trying to sell it. It's right. great. We played this at Game Store, my local convention, when it came out. And oh, every time we played it was such a blast. I love the artwork. I love the fact that your mission looks like a printout from a dot matrix printer. Yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> I love the dice are nice. They're wooden dice, but they're still really good. I like the way it plays. I like you know the when you're going to trigger to say you're infected or not. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, if you like Battlestar, if you like games with uh, betrayer mechanic, this one's really good and it plays really quickly. I think it's like 45 to 90 minutes, I think is what the play time is on it. Um, yeah, find it and play it. It's a tremendous amount of fun. Yeah, this is another game that uh, was on my list and, and it's a it's a fantastic game. Um, I, I can't say enough good things about it. It has created more stories for <laughs> my game group than most games have in my collection. I mean... There are still uh, um, games that we talk about, uh, just amazing things. It seems like the game always, almost always seems to come down to the wire. Um, and it is such a personality-driven game. You know, if you play with people who are into it and who are uh, buying into the theme, it is a phenomenal time. It is just so much fun. If you're playing with somebody who's just like, okay, so what do I do? Roll the dice? Okay, no, I failed. Okay, what do I do? Draw a card? Okay, you know, then then it's not as 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 great. But it's hard not to get sucked into the theme of it as you go. And and one of the things that I like about it that 
I talked about when I did my initial review of it, TC, was the fact that the paranoia begins immediately. Like there's no, there's no playing around. Yep, there's no fooling around. You know, the first time your 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 first kind of task that you have to do, and someone puts up a bad die, and you're like, come on, you got four (laughs) dice back there, and you're telling me you rolled all negative. You know, you rolled all bad results. You've got to be kidding me. You want me to believe that? And you know, it, it just starts from there. Um, it's just a, it's a tremendous amount of fun. I agree with you. And uh, another, you know, strong title, uh, from Stronghold and, uh, Evan Derrick, um, who created the game as BSG Express and then the retheming and the kind of reworking of it. Just a, just a great time. And I totally agree with you. As a matter of fact, uh, Joel Eddy, uh, his review, I think was called thing in a box. <laughs> oh, was it? That's <laughs> Which is, cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally, yeah. Um, so, uh, absolutely, Dark Moon was a, a really, really good game. And again, the playtime was just uh, a big selling point for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, just wish, I just wish it was set in Antarctica. If it was set in Antarctica, boom! <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like the space theme, but, uh, yeah, I could, yeah, if it was set in Antarctica, <laughs> it really would be, you know, John Carpenter's uh, The Thing, without a doubt, so... Um, next up for me that I want to talk about, um, it's kind of hard to talk about 2015 without talking about code names. So, um, I don't think I ever saw a game have that kind of splash. I was at Gen Con that year and everywhere you look now, Gen Con is huge. I don't know if you've ever been, but when you're in one of those halls, and it's all kind of gaming and open gaming and people running demos and whatnot. And it's like an aircraft hangar. And no matter where you look, you just see these groups of people huddled around a table, very thoughtfully considering. Everybody's looking down uh, and laughing and 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 talking. And you know, I remember walking up and and just looking, and it's it's a bunch of cards with words on them. And I'm not a word game fan. I mean, I remember thinking, like, what in God's name is this? And why are people so fascinated by a bunch of words on a table? Well, once I played it, I understood what they were fascinated about. Um, it, it is a truly great at least in my opinion gateway game that is a party game you know it's a game that i have pulled out with uh, people who are not gamers my in-laws my family everybody has a blast with this kids can play you can play teams uh it's just it it took me completely by surprise and it was such a simple concept it's one of those things where you kick yourself and you're like, how in God's name did I not think of that? Or how did somebody not think of that before Vlada Shavadal did? And it's just, it's just a, it was a landmark game, I think, for that year. Um, what, are, what are your impressions of it? Well, you can't talk about 2015 without talking about code names, that's for certain. I love this game. It's such a great game. And like you said, it's fantastic because it doesn't, it, it goes over with so many groups. Um, my work group doesn't like games generally right but they always asked me to bring one and i brought out code names and it was such a hit that two of them went out and ordered it that day right after we played it so it's great and the one thing i love about code names is sitting there as a person giving the clues and just watching people make the craziest connections between things. Yeah, going, yeah. what are you doing? Are you and you kind of sit there with this with this stone face? You know, I'm just like, no, that's that's the black. You're gonna hit the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just want to like throw rocks at him or something. Yeah, like how can you not have seen that connection? And and yeah. I think a great example of that is I was playing the game at the WBC with a good uh, friend of mine, Matt uh, Matt Thompson, and. Uh, 
uh, I think that the clue is something to do with water or something. And the first card that my wife and I pointed to was well, because well was one of the, the cards. And we live in sort of a rural area in Pennsylvania. And most of the people around here have well water. So as soon as I saw the word well, I'm like, oh, well, obviously it's well. <laughs> like I looked at my wife and there were lots of other words on the board that had to do with water. And it was like close to the end of the game. And, you know, we were thinking we could win it. And we both just looked at each other like, absolutely. And we put our finger down on it. And it was, I don't think it was the assassin, but it was one of theirs. And I think that like won the game for them. <laughs> and we're looking at Matt and we're like, what the heck, man? They're like, how could well not be? Why would you give a clue of water? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, you know, he, he lives in, in, a, in a pretty urban area. And the, 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 the idea of well going with, like, it just never occurred to him. Like, it just wasn't something he was looking at the other cards and thinking, oh, that's a slam dunk. And we were looking at well thinking that's a slam dunk. So like you said, so much of it depends on the people and what they bring to the table with them. And so it can be a lot of fun when you see the misunderstandings between the clue giver and the people who are guessing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And in fact, people who usually don't like the game and they're kind of shy and they sit over there, you play, you get like two rounds into this thing and they're they're involved. They're they are just locked into this thing and they're trying to figure out. And yeah, it's such a it's I really think it's a landmark game. And it's that's going to be the standard for a lot of party games going forward. And it's what's amazing. It's so simple. Why mm-hmm. didn't someone think of this before now? You know, no idea, no idea. I wish I would have because I would have a lot of money. Um, <laughs> so kudos to uh, Vlado Shavadal uh, uh, yet again for coming up with a fantastic game. I mean, uh, he's such a varied designer. Just so many interesting games he's come up with. So uh, kudos to him. Um, the next one that uh, I kind of wanted to bring up, if you don't mind, is uh, Mysterium. Okay, um, yeah. Now, Mysterium is one of my favorite games uh, from that year. Still in my collection. Really, really enjoy it. Um, the the Turning the Dixit engine into a more fleshed-out game and an experience with a theme of trying to interpret the dreams that you're sent by the ghost. I mean, what a fantastic use and visualization and concept for a game. It was just absolutely stunning to me. I, I adored it. Um, just just could not get enough of that game and, and thought it was so amazingly clever. My family adored it, loved it. So much fun, so many hours of enjoyment. And then I got the new version. Um, and and after playing the new version, and I, oh, I gave away my Polish version, uh, version, which was the the original one. I, I was either Polish or Ukraine. It might have been a Ukrainian version, um, which was out long before the the reprint. And to this day, I wish I had not given that one away because while I absolutely adore the screen for the ghost that comes in the new edition, and think it's it's really almost essential. I, there were so many elements that were added to the new edition, the new version, that I kind of felt didn't really add to the gameplay. It kind of muddied the waters a little bit, uh, rather than keeping it just this brilliant themes, like here's the cards, can you figure out what I'm trying to show you? Can you, can you guess it? Can you do it in time? You know, That's really all that game needed. 
And then they have these clairvoyancy tokens and this other system added and the end game was different, um, you know, trying to make it more competitive. And so, you know, to this day, when I play, I still kind of play by the original old rules and I've kind of left by the wayside some of that other stuff. So what I'm curious about is, is this a game that you played? Do you have experience with it? And if so, do you have experience with both editions and which one do you prefer? Well, yeah, Mysterium was one of Carissa's favorite games of that year, and we actually did play both editions, and personally, I kind of prefer the the American edition because I love the components with it. I, I like the end game that you didn't care for because it kind of really, really hit the theme a little better where you're trying to figure out the one murder and the one person because the ghost is the person who was supposedly murdered and you're trying right, to figure right. out who did it. So that cohes the theme a little bit better. But regardless of which version you like, Mysterium is an amazing amount of fun. It's one of, it's like code names where you have to have a stone face when you're the ghost given clues. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And if you can just dim the we we played this game, we dimmed the lights, we put like little candles out, and we yeah. had Carissa, she was the ghost, and she like instead of saying things, she would knock. So the tension of her knocking one for yes or two for no, you didn't know if that second knock was coming, right? Oh, that's a great idea. I yeah, love that. that. That's so immersed in that. It's it was it's fantastic. And the one thing I will give props to that first edition over the second one is I think there is a difference in the artwork, and the yes, artwork was little a little bit creepier. <laughs> first edition which kind of fit the theme a little better but again regardless it's a great game and there's an expansion that we need to get for it um we still play it a lot um yeah it's uh, I, I just love when you're sitting there playing it and you're like because you're working together as a group to try to figure it out and you're like well it could be this and this and this and what that and like no you guys are wrong it's got to be this one and that artwork is so surreal it's crazy it is, it is. And that's one of the things that makes it a lot of fun. Um, you know, there's very rarely anything that's completely obvious. And so it makes it challenging and it makes it fun. It makes it rewarding. You, you really feel good when you get it right. Um, and, and I agree. It's just, it's a phenomenal game and one that uh, I don't expect I'm going to get rid of anytime soon. I just kind of prefer the original kind of more co-op feeling kind of game over the new edition where you're really trying to kind of isolate like one winner kind of a thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, Mysterium, I thought was a, was a really interesting game from that year. So, uh, here's what I'm thinking. Um, I got a couple other games that I really would like to talk about, but I know you have a couple others as well. So, um, you know, we've already been on over an hour because there's been so many fantastic games from 2015, <laughs> but, uh, my kids I know are getting hungry. So, uh, what do you say? Let's, uh, let's move over to your list and, uh, let's see if we can kind of finish up the games that you thought were particularly noteworthy from your list. Okay. Well, um, we'll just hit a few more here. Um, the one I want to mention is um, it was actually the first casualty of this year when the Fantasy Flight broke the contract with um, Games Workshop. Yeah. And it's really disappointing because I was really, really looking forward to expansions on this one, and that's Forbidden Stars. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was such a great game. And, in fact, one of the designers of that game is um, – I know Kenizia was involved with it, and there's a designer, James Kniffen. We, you really need to keep an eye on this guy because he designed a game that came out last month called New Angeles. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm, I've heard of that. And um, yeah, so keep an eye on this designer. He's doing some. He's been involved and does some good stuff. But Forbidden Stars, 
the thing I love about most of that game is you're putting chits down on orders, and you can just put your own chit in front of on top of somebody else's pile of chits and just screw them out of their turn. It is <laughs> so mean. Oh and my! The, and the the factions work really well, like the orc spaceships, if I remember right. They're like really weak, but they just like shoot a bunch of stuff, and it's like this. They're like blowing out black smoke coming up, just like barely being held together. Um, they're like oh, reavers, such, yeah. Yeah, it is such a great game. I'm so sad to see that thing fall apart and not get anything else done with it. I'm hoping Fantasy Flight rethemes it because I think that was a retheme of the StarCraft board game. Okay. I don't know. I haven't played the StarCraft board game, but I would really like them to see uh, retheme Forbidden Stars to a license they have so they won't lose it. Yeah, I haven't played this one, TC, so I'm I'm totally willing to take your word for it. I've heard a lot of great things about it from a lot of different people that uh, you know whose whose opinions I respect, but I haven't had a chance to play it. Um, is there uh, a, another one on your list that uh, you you really felt was a particularly strong entry? Okay, the one I have to talk about is for me. This was the game of that year, and that's Churchill. Mm-hmm. And uh, people can go back and listen to the podcast we did together where I talk about it. But this game was such an amazing game because it did things I have not seen a board game do. It's by Mark Herman. Right. The reprint is coming out this month. So it should be, you should be able to get your hands on it now. But if you just want a unique three-player experience, Churchill is so good. I don't understand why people didn't hang on to this, why they didn't play it. I don't understand how it fell through the cracks. I can I can kind of see it, but I disagree with it. But right, right. If, God, if you get a chance to try this game and you want to try a game that's really innovative, that does things board games haven't done, you owe yourself to try this game. It does require three people. You can play it with less with the bots, but I don't recommend it. You need three people to sit around and figure this game out. And you don't want to just play that first introduction. You want to get to the meat of the game, which is... Um, the uh, the second scenario or the third mm-hmm, one, which mm-hmm. throws everything in. Get past it. Learn the game. Play that first scenario. Get past it. Play the second one. Get through people. You will feel like Stalin. You will feel like um, <laughs> Churchill. You will feel like Roosevelt. Something I've always dreamed of. <laughs> yeah. Feeling like Joseph Stalin. But no, I get what you're saying, and I agree. Um, it's, it's asymmetrical. It is thematic. It is... Um, uh, the the asymmetry extends beyond the chrome of who you're playing, uh, the, the the cards that you're going to have to play, the things that you're going to do, uh, totally kind of feel different and unique. Uh, I absolutely love the game, and uh, it was on my list too. And I would encourage people to go back and take a listen to that episode uh, that we did there in the Longview catalog. Um, and I also kind of wanted to pair that with a game called Triumph and Tragedy. Uh, which came out as well. And that is also a three-player game, from what I understand. You can do two, but you want to go three. And uh, I just recently got my hands on a copy when the reprint came. I am dying to try it. Um, I've heard so many great things about it. Um, A little bit uh, of a sort of a what-if kind of a feel to it, um, to the theme of World War II. Um, You know, you might play the whole game and not go to war at all, or, you know, things can spiral out of control even more quickly than they did historically, or uh, turn out differently. And it kind of uses, like, multi-use cards, which I'm always a sucker for. So I'm dying to try this one. Now, you've played this, yes? 
I'm Triumph and Tragedy is an amazing game. I got that the same time I got Churchill. And the second edition is definitely worth the price because they fixed the rules. They cleaned up the map. They did a few other uh, the better chits. But, oh, Triumph and Tragedy. Yes, it's got multi-use cards. It's actually two games slammed into one. There's this political phase. And you can play the political phase and not even go to war and end it. But when the war hits, which you have to trigger, you have to declare war on someone... Man, all heck breaks loose. Every, those blocks come out. You're moving blocks around. You're rolling dice. Oh, it's it's a it's a fantastic game. Um, I cannot talk enough about Triumph and Tragedy. It is such a good game. It requires three people, but if you get three people in on it, it plays relatively quickly for a GMT game. I think we got a game in in like four to five hours, mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. three. But, yeah, the multi-use cards, the, the way you get production, the way your card hand goes. Yeah, I've actually talked to the designer of this game, and he's working on a, a, another one, which I can't talk about quite yet. But if it does come out, it's going to be good. But, oh, Triumph and Tragedy. Yes, 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 yes. I'm really curious to hear your response. Carissa likes it. I like it. At least one other person in my game group likes it. If you want to do a future podcast about it, I'm game. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to try it. Um, it's going to take me a little while to get to it, but I'm going to get there for sure. So, um, you know, uh, to kind of finish up my list here, TC, just kind of wrap it up a little bit. Um, there were a few games that I still kind of wanted to mention, um, and I'm going to I'm going to kind of rattle through them quickly and uh, see if maybe I can get some of your reaction to them. Uh, one of them is Baseball Highlights 2045. Uh, by Mike Fitzgerald. Um, I I just played that game like two days ago with my son. Uh, That is a wholly unique uh, game experience. It somehow manages to capture the feel of baseball with the sort of weirdness of the theme of baseball being played with robots and cyborgs. Uh, But the art is fantastic. The gameplay is super fun and interesting. Lots of tension. Love the fact that you're building your deck, but you're you're sending people down to the miners, so your deck is never going to be any smaller or larger than 15 cards, and so you cycle through that deck uh, multiple times. Love it. I mean, it's just a great game. Um, the other two that uh, I wanted to mention is kind of a pair are two games from Sierra Madre, which is Pax Pamir, which is designed by Cole Worley, and Neanderthal which was designed by Phil Eklund. And both of these games um, were hits with me. Uh, Pax Pamir kind of takes that Pax Porfiriana sort of engine and adds sort of a spatial element to it with the map and some really fascinating rules um, and twists and turns that uh, he just did a magnificent job of capturing the theme, the shifting alliances, the uncertainty of the region, uh, the the imperial kind of powers at play, an absolutely fantastic game experience. And then Neanderthal, just a, a wonderful inventive game that kind of took um, Origins, which was an older Phil Eklund game, uh, which kind of also was looking at sort of the development of humanity and, and uh, the development of your brain, um, and actually kind of, uh, I think, distilled it and uh, made it a little bit more user-friendly, as user-friendly as Phil ever gets, um, in Neanderthal, where you're, you're kind of developing your vocabulary and your brain, and you're learning new skills, and 
you're you know marrying uh, into families and yeah it, it's just a, a wonderful wonderful game um, a lot of dice chucking definitely some randomness but tells an amazing story so um, those two were games that I really enjoyed uh, quite a bit as well uh, do you have any experience with any of those Okay, let's hit Baseball Highlights 2045. I like it. It's a fun game. Carissa did not care for it, and a lot of it had to do with the rules because you had to be familiar with baseball terms to figure out the rules. And there was like this player sheet that said what these exceptions were, and those weren't clear enough, so we went to the rule book, and the rule book just reprinted what was on the the quick play sheets so we had to go into board game geek and figure it out and for my wife if the rules aren't clear that's a huge hit against the game so i like it i enjoy it it was a complete miss for my wife the phil eklund games you mentioned i haven't got to neanderthal yet because i'm working my way through greenland i really want to play greenland with neanderthal and see how it all works together Um, but those Phil Eklund games, those rule books, I'm a science major and those rule books give me a headache. Okay. I'm just like, holy goodness gracious, but it's not for <laughs> lack of not wanting to play it. PAX Premier, I haven't gotten to yet because I've just recently got my plays of PAX Perfuriana. I love PAX Perfuriana because that is the most brutal game I have ever played in my life because you can wreck someone's engine in a round, it just happens instantaneously. It's like, oh, you know, boy, you just everyone gets destroyed like all in the same round. Yeah, yeah. All your amazing. minds were nationalized. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, what? That, what? How did that happen? You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I get it. It has that one mechanic. It's called um, outrage. I'm outraged. Yeah, I yes, am outraged. Yes. Oh, they're victory points of the game. How thematic is that? That's exactly. amazing. <laughs> it's American intervention. What are those Americans doing? I'm outraged. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, and, and you know, what really sold, uh, and I did a whole episode about Pax Perferiana with uh, uh, Martin Griffiths. Um, definitely worth listening to. Um, but one of the things about Perferiana that I just absolutely love that sold me on that game was the straw man plays, where you play bad cards on yourself yes <laughs> in order to create like those revolution points or outrage points or whatever that might win you the game so it's like you go in and tank your own enterprise you know on the side like nodding and winking um so that you can generate the sense of outrage among the people in sonora which will then give you what you need in order to overthrow the government it's just an amazing <laughs> amazing thing to work into a game um is that straw man and i'd never really seen that anywhere before uh, i'm not saying it doesn't exist i'm sure a listener will tell me if it was used in uh, other games before but uh, for my experience that was the first time i ever saw that i'm like what you can play this card on yourself um, and it was just an eye-opening thing, and I've used it to my advantage on more than one occasion in that game. It's just an amazing experience, so I agree. Yeah, and uh, I, there's an expansion to PAX Premier, so that game is going to get played at some point. Oh, yeah. It's on the side. It's just we're still playing Perferiana. That's the only reason we haven't gotten to that one yet. Absolutely. Uh, you know, there are so many great games we didn't get to. I mean, uh, games like the Grizzled uh, 504, which was just a landmark in design uh, and, cons- and and a conceptual almost piece of art 
uh, maybe more so than a game, but a fantastic achievement. Uh, Blood Rage. I mean, just so many great games came out this year. Uh, the new edition of uh, Through the Ages and uh, Tricarion and Nippon, which we mentioned earlier. So many fantastic games. But let's try and end this episode, TC, with your list of five games that you hated, because I'm very <laughs> curious to hear the hate, because, you know, people always accuse me, I, I think, sometimes of being a little too positive uh, about just about everything, unless it's something like couriers or broom service or something of that nature. So go ahead and add, what what are some of the games that you just did not connect with from 2015? <laughs> well, before we get to that, um, I just want to mention Tricarion. That is such a standard from now when it comes to Kickstarter gaming Euro games. Love Tricarion. Yes. Um, yeah. The Grizzled, I love that. World War One theme, co-op. The expansion makes it even better. That's great. And there was another game that came out that didn't get mentioned, and that's Healthy Heart Hospital. I really dug that, and I think a large part of it has to do is I actually played a doctor from my workplace up nice. at a local convention, and he was not good at triaging patients, and it was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. The picture of the pathologist, Dr. Lucky, actually blew up and nice. got a bigger picture of it and gave it to the pathologists at work because they just looked so <laughs> creepy. It was hilarious. Um, and they're working on the 2.0 of that. So and a lot of people didn't like Healthy Heart Hospital. I thought it was great. But uh, you said five games? I didn't I, like. I thought you told me you had five, but if you I only have five have a couple, and a runner-up, you know, I have five uh, and a runner-up and a runner-up. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, so give me the least hated to the the one that you want to burn or or the most. Okay. Hated. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the first one is actually a runner-up, and it stinks so bad from the year before it actually carried over because <laughs> I decided to mention that, <laughs> and it was Imminent Domain Microcosm. Oh, yeah, that was pretty bad. Oh, my yeah. goodness. That yeah. game took longer to score than to play the dang thing. That's a huge problem. The rule book was a page, and there was all kinds of problems with oh, it. Oh, the rule book was horrible, man. It was it was unplayable yeah. with the rule was, book that was in that box. Yeah. My wife, I, mean, I played it with the people. They just wanted to throw it back at me. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, what was it? No, we liked it. It was, you know, it was, we liked Imminent Domain. It was such a disappointment and it's such a stinker. That stench kind of flew over to 2015. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. All right. Um, I'll, I'll allow that to waft from one year to another. Um, another one was Favor of the Pharaoh. Oh, that yeah. God, that was such a dice chucker. You could just watch people roll well and win it and go and go, and you're just sitting there watching people win, and there was nothing you could do to prevent it. Just like, oh, okay. Uh, are we over yet? Yeah. Uh, oh. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that reminds me. Of that, that's a retheme of To Court the King, which we used <laughs> to have, and my wife absolutely loved that game. And you know why? Because <laughs> she's one of the people you're talking about. Yeah, She's the person that I really kind of feel like I need to take to Vegas or something because she has better luck with dice than just about any human being I've ever met in my life. And <laughs> she she is the person that does that. Like, she just she won that game all the time would roll sixes like nobody's business and i was just like you know what whatever so i ended up moving along to court the king and then when i saw this one came out i, I didn't even tell her about it because i didn't <laughs> want her to ask me to get it because i was not a huge fan of the of the first one so i'm, I'm on board with uh with that one but that might be more my wife's fault than the game's fault uh but uh, yeah yeah I, I i hear you i feel you on that one tc all yeah. right yeah what's, what's carissa love that one michael did anyway. she <laughs> the next one, the next one is Specter Ops. Uh, there is no reason to play Specter Ops now that there's Furia Dracula Third Edition, but that's going out of print now, so you better grab it while you can. 
I tried Spectre Ops. I tried being the the guy infiltrating. The rules were... I didn't understand the rules. I just had such a miserable time playing this game. Do I need to go back and play it? Sure. Do I want to? No. Why? Because I've got letters from Whitechapel that Carissa really likes. I've mm-hmm. got Fury Dracula that I really likes. Spectre Ops can just go away. And I just didn't care for it. It was such a miserable experience. I've never played it, but uh, I'm willing to take your word for it. Um, I'm not a huge fan of hidden movement sort of deduction games. I do have Fury of Dracula because my daughters love vampires. So, um, you know, we played that the other day, and that was fun. It was fun. I think it went on a little too long for what it is, but... Um, they had a good time. Uh, you know, I had a, I had a reasonable time. Um, I thought it was it was decent. I think I would prefer playing a hunter than Dracula. I played Dracula, and so it seemed like you know with four of us playing, it took forever for it to get to my turn. Yeah. And my turn was like over in like thirty seconds. And you know, they kind of seemed to have more interesting decisions to make and things to do. So um, yeah, but I, I haven't played Spectre Ops, so I can't comment on it. But I will take your uh, word for it until I hear otherwise. So. Uh, all right, what's what's next on the chopping block? Okay, next is Tesla versus Edison War of Currents. Whoa, whoa, whoa. All right, I might have to disagree with you a little bit on this one. That all one, right, tell the, me the, why. The, tell me why. I'll give you a chance. I'll give you a chance. It's Go just <laughs> the rules on that one. Again, I only played it once, and we basically all sat around this thing trying to figure it out, and I just gave up. And I think what did it was that it was a Kickstarter game, and then I played... Tricarion, and mm-hmm, I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, oh my!" Tricarion is how it should be done. This one it was for me was one and done. I really wanted to like it because I really liked the theme. I thought it was an amazing theme, but oh, it's just there was just something about it. I don't know if it was the rules, it was the group I played with. Do I want to try it again? Yes, but <laughs> I haven't gotten around to it because the person who had the copy isn't around here anymore. <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I kind of like this one. I mean, I did a review of it a while back, and, and I love the stock manipulation aspect of it. Um, the the board kind of uh, considerations, where you're building on the board, the sort of networking that you're doing there, a la power grid kind of a feel. Um, I, I liked, uh, you know, all of the different kinds of cards, the scientists that uh, uh, you could bring into your uh, sort of company or, or you know, however you want to uh, imagine it. And uh, the, the different kind of skills and strengths that they had, I really thought it was uh, it was fun. Um, it was a little bit mean, um, a little bit too mean, I think, for my wife. Um, but I enjoyed the game, um, and I'm kind of curious to see what the expansion does. I know that there's an expansion coming now. Do I prefer Tricarion to it? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I do. Um, you know, you're, you're absolutely right about that, but I don't know that Tesla versus Edison is necessarily a a bad game. Uh, maybe it just didn't work for you. Um, but I kind of enjoyed it. I, I thought it was, uh, an interesting take on a sort of a stock game. And that's really kind of how I looked at it was more of a stock game than, as this thematic experience of Tesla versus Edison. So maybe that's why my perception of it might be a little bit different than yours. You know, I don't know. Uh, but I would definitely tell you to give it another shot if you have the opportunity. That, that's just my two cents on that one. Well, if we ever get together, I'm going to have you teach this one to me, and I will try it again, because I want to like it. That was the problem. I really, really wanted to like this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And sometimes expectations can help, and sometimes they can hurt. So uh, that's definitely true. All right, what else you got for me? 
Okay, here's a. This was a huge disappointment for me. This one came out and it just disappeared. No one talked. That's Runebound Third Edition. Now it had this really neat mechanic where you flip flip these little chits and where they laid, you did stuff with. Right. But this game drug on for so long. It took forever to play for what it was, and it just drug on and on. And I had Runebound Second Edition. I have a whole bunch of stuff to it. I'm just like, why did this happen? Right, Why? Right. And they released some expansions, some really overpriced expansions for it, was basically $25 got you a deck of cards with one figure. Okay, yeah. when you got Runebound 2nd Edition, you had like all these figures, and the 3rd Edition, you had six, I think. Right. I was like, what? This is, what, what happened to my Runebound? What happened to my Runebound? What is going on with this? I was like, no, no, I loved Runebound. This is, it just... It didn't work for me. It was too long. I liked the battle mechanics and stuff, but it just didn't click for me. It just didn't work. Yeah, I haven't tried it, uh, but I've heard a lot of people say that they preferred the previous edition to the new edition. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm going to take your word for that one because um, I've heard a lot of negative things about it. So um, I think the only game like that with disc flipping that I ever played was... Uh, a Stefan Feld game. It was Builder's Duel, and it was kind of set in that. Um, oh my goodness, uh, the the not the world without end. That was like the second book, the the first book uh, that. Well, come on, um, <laughs> what was the the one about the building of the big church? And it was a huge game. Everybody wanted it. It's impossible to find now. Pillars of the that? Earth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pillars of the Earth. Right. So it's a little two player game. And it kind of uses both a tic-tac-toe mechanic sort of a feel and flipping these these tokens into the air and where they fall tells you kind of what you can do. And I, I remember thinking that was like one of the weirdest things I'd ever seen, but it was kind of cool. Um, and so when Runebound came out and I heard you were flipping tokens in the air, you know, or, or, or flipping the tokens, I thought, okay, this is kind of cool. But then the more I looked at it at my local game store, I was like, nah, this is not for me. This does not... It just it it wasn't working for me, so I didn't even explore it any further. So, um, yeah, I, I, that was a hard pass for me. Um, so, was that your uh, most disappointing or most disliked game, or is there more? This is it. This is this is my most disappointing game between you. all these other games I've talked about. I'm willing to get another shot on. Okay, I, I will. This one is was dead such, to you. <laughs> this one was such a spectacular train wreck to everyone that played, and it came on such. <laughs> High expectations from the game, the designers that game before, and that was Epic the Card Game. Did you ever have a chance to play Epic the Card Game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy moly, coming off Star Realms, they went to this? Yeah, it was pretty bad, man. Yeah. So we got it. I was like excited. It's like 20 bucks or 15 bucks. We got it. It was, you know, it's a Kickstarter, and I got some in, and I put it all together, and I broke it out with Chris. I'm like, yeah, it's like magic, but it's supposed to be faster and more easy. And this game gave birth to the expression Carissa gives me when she really doesn't like a game, and I call it epic face. <laughs> she had epic face. Okay. I was just destroying her with these overpowered monsters, and she looked at me, and I got the look that she said, we're quitting this game now. If we don't right, quit right. this game now, You're sleeping there's going to the be consequences. <laughs> and it just wasn't her. I tried it at a game night. I right. tried it. It, it was just so you get the you built the right deck and you had the right random cards that come out the right overpowered thing and you could just completely wipe someone out in like ten minutes. Right. Oh, wow, this game was such a disaster for me. I really wanted to like it. I had high expectations because I love Star Realms. This one, I 
don't know what happened to it. Maybe I don't want to know. I don't I think anybody needs to know. Again. <laughs> I don't think anybody needs to know. I think it's just kind of like, you know, nothing to see here. Um, just yeah, kind of throw a cloth over it. You know, yeah. it's like DOA. Uh, and, and yeah, yeah, I, I tried it and it was terrible. Yeah. Um, it was awful. And it's disappeared. Yeah, it's yeah. like no one plays it. It's like you mentioned. No. It's like, it's like, remember, it's like, you remember Epic? And it's like, <laughs> people shudder. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. God, yes. <laughs> oh, what's, what's going on? Do you want right. to play it again? Right. No. Go to your happy place. <laughs> I am, Show know. me on the doll where Epic touched you. <laughs> yeah, it's like yes, it was so yeah. Jeff, it yeah. was so bad. I it just, was pretty bad, man. It was it. it was pretty bad. I I guess the only reason I wasn't more angry about it was because I think I paid like, you know, twelve dollars for it or something. It just I, I took a flyer on it and I was just like, Yeah, maybe this will be fun. And I was like, Oh no, this is just really bad. So yeah, I agree with you there. I think that's one that you just you bury in the backyard and you just leave it for yeah, dead. It's, it's um, dead. It's totally dead. agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Well, TC, I want to thank you for um, you know going through this uh, rather huge, extensive list uh, uh, for 2015. I mean, uh, you know, I hear people say all the time, "Oh, this was an amazing year in gaming," and that was an. Ama- this was a pretty amazing year in gaming, and one that uh, I think there was just some fantastic. Um, innovative designs that came out, some really rock-solid kind of Euros like Nippon and Tricarion, just some uh, amazingly uh, tight games and uh, games that just really made you think and were highly enjoyable. And I I really think that this was an incredibly strong year. So a big fan of 2015. Do you have any kind of final parting thoughts about the year? 2015, I think, was a, a it was such a great year for gaming. Like I said at the beginning of this podcast, there are still games from 2015 that hit the table that I haven't played yet. It was it was almost like board gaming overlord that year. Yeah, it was, yeah. Wow, there was so much good stuff and stuff that came out that year that continued to resonate with game designs that are coming out in the following years and for probably years to come. So it's, yeah, it was a great year. It was also the year it was really interesting. Some cool events happened. My personal favorite was, I think, oh, yeah, it was the Warhammer Age of Sigmar came out, and, like, people were burning their Warhammer movies because they hated the new system so much. That was really entertaining <laughs> to watch. I liked watching that. Oh, nice, nice, yeah. <laughs> nice. But 2050, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see if uh, subsequent years can, uh, can even come close. And yeah, live up to it, yeah. I'm willing to bet we could still we could still talk up. We're going to still be talking about 2015, like five or six years from now. It it was that impressive of a year. All right, so let's end that way. Let's let's you make the call. Okay, here we go. Let's take a look at our lists. Okay, (laughs) and pick for me three games that we will still be playing and or talking about in five years. Okay, so let me go first. Uh, My three would have to be Churchill, Triumph, and Tragedy, and Tracarion. Okay. These, these designs are, I mean, which we didn't get to talk on, talk on Tricarion, but the, the little puzzle chits you had to do to chain and oh, stuff. Yeah, yeah, never absolutely. seen that in a game. No, never no. seen that in a game. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Did it match the theme? Who cares? Yeah. It was great. <laughs> yeah, it's a putting, Euro. Does that have a theme? Who that's cares? Right. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. The putting on of the shows was my favorite part. Just, just fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, get, getting people backstage and getting your tricks set up and, 
Oh yeah, just absolutely amazing stuff. No, I agree, and and I wish we had more time to talk about it. But yeah. looking at the the clock ticking here, I'm like, wow, you know, we <laughs> we've been talking a while about this year, so I kind of cut it a little short. Maybe we shouldn't have, but yeah, I agree. It's a fantastic game, and uh, playing it with the the Dark Alley expansion that's in the box is it just makes it uh, even better. Yeah, um, so even so, that. D- Dagons, whatever that Dagon, throw, throw yeah, yeah, everything yeah. in. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's it's an amazing game. Um, so all right. So your three are Churchill, Triumph and Tragedy, and Tracarion, huh? Because yeah, Churchill, especially because that's the start of a series, the Great Debater series, I think. And Pericles mm-hmm. is going to be the next iteration of that. I think Churchill's going to be like Andy and Abyss was for the Coin series. We're going to see subsequent new games using that system and refine that system to where it really, really shines. Watch that system. It's going to be great. <laughs> All right. Um, my predictions, uh, I'm, I'm going to take a real chance with this one, but uh, the, the one I'm taking a real chance with is Pax Pamir. Uh, Pax Pamir, I think, is a phenomenal design from a designer who's only getting better. I mean, Cole Worley uh, doing this game, and then he did uh, an infamous traffic, which I haven't had a chance to play yet. Um, but my gosh, I'm dying to try that one. Uh, the expansion to Pax Premier is fantastic. Uh, he's coming out with John Company with uh, uh, Phil Eklund, Sierra Madre Games, um, which is all about the, uh, the East India Company. I mean, a guy that can marry uh, interesting gameplay with history is always going to be somebody that I am really going to be uh, interested in and Pax Pamir is just a fantastic game. So uh, that's that's one that you know I think a lot of people are going to disagree with, but for me, Pax Pamir is going to be a game that at least I'm going to be talking about in five years. Um, the other one for me, I would have to go with uh, Food Chain Magnate. I, I think that game's going to be around. I think it's been a big hit, and I think that it has enough replay value in that box that y- that game can be played. You know, not like I'm not saying it's a lifestyle game, but my gosh, people, you can play that game and never really get bored. I I just think that game's going to be around for a while, so that's kind of my second, and then I guess my my third from this list, the easy thing to say would be like Pandemic Legacy System, but I'm not going to take the easy road. I'm not taking the easy road here, TC. <laughs> Good, don't go take the easy road. Oh <laughs> man, what game am I still going to be talking about? Ah, oh, I think Code Names is going to fade after a while. It'll morph into something else. Not that it's going to go away, but I think it'll it'll change. Um, boy, I'm going to go. Mm. Can I cheat? Yes, Can I cheat? cheat. Okay, you I'm going to cheat. cheat. I'm going to go with Alexander Pfister. I think he's a designer we're going to be talking about in five years. I'm going to go with him. I think he is um, the next Stefan Feld kind of a thing. You know, I mean, Stefan Feld dominated, I think, board games for, what, about five years there? Just, just Quite a while. dominated it. Just, you know, game after game was fantastic. Notre Dame in the Year of the Dragon. I mean, just so many fantastic games. Macau, which, you know, was another kind of a slow burn game. People didn't really know what to do with it at first. But after a while, they're like, wow, this is a great game. And then just so many, Trajan, just so many fantastic games. Um, And I think Fister's going to be around for a while. Um, I really think he's going to be designing games, and we're going to be continuing to hear from him. And out of the designs that we have here listed, um, I think Isle of Sky is going to stick around. I I think that that game has the right mix of depth and accessibility that people will still be playing that game. Love Mombasa, 
Um, think it's fantastic, but I think that's a heavier game. Isn't going to have the widespread appeal, so I'm going to go with Isle of Sky, Alexander Fister. How's that? I talked myself into a third choice. You like that? <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> as far as PAX Premier goes, yeah. did um, the guy who the PAX Renaissance is that the same designer or is that just Phil Eklund? Okay, so here's the deal: PAX uh, PAX Perfiriana was Phil Eklund and his son Matt Eklund. Okay. And those guys kind of took Lords of the Sierra Madre and reimagined it, streamlined it. it you know, it's hard to believe that Pax is <laughs> 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 streamlined, but yeah, it's streamlined, okay? Took that and made it into the, the surprise hit, I think, uh, that it was. I mean, that game blew up. Um, and good for Phil. I mean, he's a, he's a great guy. Um, and then Pax Pamir was Cole kind of saying to Phil, hey, I would love to use this engine that you and your son made in a game about Imperial Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, Phil was like, go for it, you know. So uh, that was kind of a, a partnership there. But, I, you know, the lead design credit, I think, definitely goes to Cole, okay? Um, after that, um, you had Phil's partnership uh, with uh, Philip Klarman for uh, Greenland, and then Phil kind of went off and, and sort of did Neanderthal and now Bios Genesis. And he reunited with his son um, all the time the other games have been coming out. They were working on Pax Renaissance. And so Pax Renaissance is, again, Phil and his son. So fantastic game. I think that one has a lot of legs, but I'm still trying to figure that one out. I mean, and I'm not even talking from the rules standpoint. I pretty much got the rules down. But... Phil's games are often very much like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. I have no idea if this is a good idea or not. I'm just going to do it and see what happens. And if you can't approach his games that way, you're going to really struggle because there's never anything obvious about a Phil Eklund game. Yeah, and I've played PAX Renaissance, and I'm the same page as you, but I agree that PAX series is definitely something to keep your eye on. Um, I love, I need to play PAX Mirror, but Porphyrion and Renaissance... I need to get Premiere out, and I will always look at a PAX game when it comes out. I agree with you. That's going to be a game we're definitely going to be talking about five years from now. Excellent. I kind of thought that was a bit of a, a stretch, so I'm glad to hear that uh, yeah. you know you at least agree with me. So now when people tell me I'm crazy, I'm going to say, oh, well, TC agrees. <laughs> and um, what was that you said? The traffic one and... Uh, Oh, Infamous Traffic. and Infamous, infamous traffic. traffic. Yep, and John Company. Yeah, those are... Infamous Traffic is out now. You can buy it. It's from a sort of a print-on-demand. Um, the component quality, I understand, is not all the greatest, but the gameplay, I've been hearing nothing but good things about yeah. it. Uh, Andrew Dennison over at uh, Good Board Ugly, um, he loves that game. A lot of people have really been chatting that one up, and, and I'm dying to try it. Uh, I just haven't had the opportunity to snag it yet, so... Um, that's one that uh, I definitely want to try. And John Company just looks fantastic. So yeah. uh, definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that one too and try it. And then you also said uh, Alexander Fifth, Fister. <laughs> yeah, Fister, Fister. Yes. Yep. I agree. This is a guy you need to watch. The fact that we like games that we can agree on the designer and not agree on the game, like with Broom Service, right. means you need to at least check this guy's games out and take a look at what he's doing. And he's going to, yeah, I'm really curious what he's going to be producing because I think Alice Sky is probably a borderline evergreen game for a store right now because they get those games in, Alice Sky, and they move. Do they Even, really? Fantastic. Yeah, I, they, they still move. So 
good kudos for Mayfair for <laughs> getting that one yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And I still want to try the Broom Service card game. You know, hey, you know, there's a, there's stuff coming out. Hey, we could just you could try it. Yeah, yeah. Hey. It could be cheaper. It'd be easier to burn. It's throw yeah, it in the fireplace. It is. it is. It'd be easier to burn. I don't know. Uh, anyway. Well, you know, TC, I want to thank you for uh, uh, being on the show. Uh, I'm looking forward to having the chance to work with you more frequently. I hope this will be a good introduction uh, kind of, uh, you know, for people out there who listen to The Long View to you sort of specifically. And uh, the next time that uh, we get together, uh, I want to kind of give a chance for you to kind of talk to people and, and let them know a little bit more about you, your background, um, the things that you've uh, worked on and contributed to uh, the, the community and the hobby, um, and, you know, kind of uh, have a little bit more of a form introduction but this was a whole lot of fun so uh, i look forward to working with you in the future and uh, thanks for being on the show yeah thanks it was a lot of fun um i was gonna say something in this up but i don't remember yeah uh, it's just <laughs> i just got all these board games on my brain now that that's i just right, want to go right. out and, and play more of. but thank you for having me on i'm hoping we can do more in the future it's always tremendous fun just listening to you and you did say you wanted someone opinionated that's right. So that's I'm right. curious to see how your listeners are going to react to me because I'm pretty polarizing, so it should be interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's always fun. Well, hey, anything that generates discussion is a good thing. So uh, opinionated is fine. You know, uh, narrow-minded is not. And uh, all the stuff of yours I've listened to, I know, uh, you know, uh, you are opinionated, and, and yeah, but you are in no way narrow-minded or judgmental. And you're always willing to give, uh, you know, things a chance and look at them from a different perspective, uh, which is just you know, fantastic um, and, and very helpful, I think, for people uh, with so many games coming out now. It's, it's, it's such an important decision sometimes to decide, what am I going to buy? What am I not going to buy? There's so much out there. Um, you know, it seems like there's just so many great choices. I think one of the best things we can do is try to help people find those older games, those those kind of classic games, those evergreen games, uh, games that are a few years old that maybe you can get at a decent price um, that, you know, people can really play and enjoy. And, uh, you know, if, if we can help them come to that and have some great moments with their friends and family, then uh, mission accomplished. Yes? Absolutely. Uh, I'm often referred to, I don't know if this is appropriate to say or not, but I'm often referred to <laughs> as a board game whore because I will play anything. <laughs> Absolutely right, right. anything, as long as it's cardboard and I move chits around, I'm having fun. Even right. if I don't necessarily like the game or it's a disaster of an experience, I still enjoy playing any type of game you throw in front of me. Because <laughs> more often than not, some kind of entertaining story is going to come out of it. Always, even even maybe with Epic, just thinking about the different ways to dispose of it. So, uh, you know, it, your imagination can always run wild with board games. So, well, thanks, TC. So, um, you know, for TC and myself, I want to say uh, thanks to everybody out there for listening. We hope you enjoyed this look back at 2015 among all of the lists about 2016. Uh, we hope you found it uh, enjoyable and maybe uh, will spur you to pull out some of those games that we all loved and enjoyed from a couple of years ago that might be gathering a little bit of dust on the shelf that maybe shouldn't be gathering dust. So for TC and myself, I want to say thanks to everybody out there for listening and have a great night. 